Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Two for One podcast brought to you by Anchor and In the Lane, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast, the free agency roundup edition. We're here. We're made. We're done. We waited for this day for months, for literal months, Sean, and we're finally here. Yeah, it seems like ages ago that we got swept by the Bucks, but uh, it's back. It's Christmas. We're here. Um, a great week so far for the Miami Heat, and I'm glad to, to be here to talk about it. So it, I can't start anywhere else, right? We were able to acquire the number one target for the entire league in free agency, Dwayne Dedman. I thought you were already going to Omer. That was, uh, he's not the number one target? If they ever listen to me just one time, Pat, if you can hear me, don't drop that Yurtsev in. A, don't drop that Yurtsev in. This, that 2012 classic record right there, I love that guy. I really yeah, do. I'm, I'm sorry to derail the uh, the kind of linear progress we were going to go through this. Let's switch it back to Kyle now. So number one target, Kyle Lowry. <laughs> we got him. It was kind of like the hidden secret, the dirty secret that everybody knew was going to happen. It's right. starting to be revealed a little bit from the people that had some insight that it's been known for months. Like they've been hiding or sitting on these, these rumors that they knew it was basically after the trade deadline going to happen this summer. Kyle wanted to be here. But, you know, you never know. You, you know, Kyle could have a, a change in heart. He could have an offer from another team. Someone, you know, we had Dallas and New Orleans that started to build up a lot of money to throw at him. And uh, thankfully, he chose Miami, and I think it's a great fit. What do, you, what do you think about Kyle's fit on our roster next season? I've been celebrating for three days straight. I honestly haven't stopped. I was dancing on Instagram. I was running in the streets, banging pots and pans. It, the player his value and the number that we signed him at, you can't even calculate that to what he's really going to do to this team. He right off jump street is automatically impacting our floor and our ceiling. Right. So if we're getting to a sixth seed without him, it's kind of fun to predict where the team's going to go and what players are going to average with them. Pick and roll ball handler facilitator can see the floor can dump the ball off the bam on the short roll um, shooter, which is probably his most valuable trait. A great defender. He can play up a little bit because he's a, you know, a little bulkier guy, right, Kyle? A little rounder. Um, so I, I love it, man. That's been, I think me and you, both of us, were banging the table for him. And so great that he's here. Yeah, I guess Kyle's to blame for your new uh, nickname, Tequila Tony. I guess. I, I really don't like that everybody thinks I'm an alcoholic now, but Tequila T is here to stay, I guess. But I agree with what you talked about with the offensive role with Kyle. I really looked at this free agency or this offseason as if we get Kyle, there were a lot of different paths for us to be successful. If we didn't get Kyle, I didn't see a lot of real progress. You know, I didn't think Conley was realistic. I didn't really necessarily like the Lonzo fit. And I felt like we needed the point guard for all the reasons you said. He's great on the ball. He can create his own shot. He's great on the pick and roll. He's great off of dribble handoffs. You're still going to see that as part of an offense. But his use of the dribble handoff is different than Duncan. Both very effective in different ways, but him coming off the dribble handoff, he can still catch and fire, but he can also get downhill. He can hit Bam in the short roll, where you've seen in Team USA and the Olympics that he's very effective because Bam's a great passer. Uh, but he can also get downhill, get to the basket. He can get downhill and kick it out to our shooters. Um, obviously bringing back Duncan. And then we're going to talk about adding, you know, the two power forwards that can shoot the ball from the corners. It, it's the piece that makes, I think everything fit. It's kind of the glue that's going to hold everything together. And it's weird to say that when you have a team with two very unselfish superstars, but he's the piece that I think is going to make this all work very fluidly 
where it didn't work as fluidly last year. It was very clunky last year. And I think that's the reason why it would be difficult to see a path with any other free agent that we signed. With Kyle, you are now structuring yourself into a way to play basketball. You can go, well, we're going to run pick and roll with Bam, and if that's taken away, we're going to kick it to the corner to PJ, right? You can do that in your mind. With any other guy, I don't, like Kevin Love, we would have got Sexton and Love. Yeah, and I the rat tail, uh, Kendrick Nunn, I'm not really a fan of him. <laughs> and, you know, if Kevin Love got bought out, I'd still be in favor of that, but at this point, it's seeming more and more less realistic. You know, the one thing that's going to be common when we're talking about all these guys is one is that they have championship pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a guy from the past three champions in this offseason. And the second thing, and, and I give credit to a friend of the show, Tiffany Meeks, that says this a lot. We got guys that want to be here. We didn't really like go out and try to like pull and try to get people, you know, like it's like, these guys want to be here. They buy into the culture and the identity. Last year, what was our identity? On any given night, you never freaking knew. You know, you could see the Miami Heat that you're like, wow, this is the team that's going to get back to the finals. And then you'd see the team that's like, is this the Sioux Falls Sky Force? Like, what is going on out here? And if you look at our roster right now, there's a clear identity and they haven't even suited up once. Half of them haven't even signed their contract yet. Defensive-minded. Hard nose, tough, say nasty, the word, low pace, say the word, toughest, nastiest, best conditioned, all those things. This might be the team that embodies that the most. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're going to be the best ever, best ever Heat team. It doesn't mean that they're going to be back to the finals. But I would say if you took this roster and put it against our two years ago, the finals team, I think this roster is better on paper. But that doesn't matter until you start playing basketball. I think it's better on paper, and I think that they're just better period in a series. Now the tough part about this team, I think is that because it skews so much older, there might be those lulls still in the regular season. I I can, I can see us not winning significantly more games, but in a playoff, I feel so much more secure. And that's the only thing that matters. We only have to do two things this year, avoid the play in, stay healthy. As long as we can do those two things. I like our shot in the playoffs against any team. Yeah. I would say as long as you are not, playing the Bucks or playing the Nets in the first round. So let's say that they're the one and two seed. If you're anywhere between three and six, you're good. Go for it. You know, I mean, yep. it, it's, it's going to be one of those types of seasons. I think that you could say the same thing about the Lakers where they have an older roster, an older roster than ours also, by the way, but they're going to maintain those guys and try to keep them healthy. So while on paper, the Lakers may be the best team in the West, you could argue, I don't think they're going to get the one seed. I don't think they want to get the one seed because they're going to try to maintain those older bodies so that when it comes playoff time, they might be the three seed, but they're the favorites to win the West because their roster is the best. So let's just put this on audio. Um, The Miami Heat acquired Kyle Lowry. They reacquired Duncan Robinson, re-signed him to a contract, re-signed Dwayne Dedman, um, picked up PJ Tucker and picked up Markeith Morris. Am I missing anybody? Uh, re-signing Max and Gabe. Right, bringing back Max and Gabe. Okay, so now that's put on record. The One of the smartest things this team did was that five-year uh, contract for Duncan. I absolutely love that contract. I love that it's on an 8% structure, which means Duncan's first year is 15.7. Um, I, I mean, that's beautiful. And it fills in that that gap uh, that we needed if we got to trade somebody. Look, if 
the best thing about this team right now is that they're still kind of flexible. If you want to move Duncan and PJ a deadline for like Bradley Beal, or if somebody gets disgruntled, if Dame's best friend, uh, Bam, can convince him to come over here, you can still do it. And that's because of how they move this money around. Yeah, you're exactly right with the flexibility because we don't have any other salaries in that 15-ish million range. You know, you have Jimmy's big contract, you have Bam's big contract, then you have Duncan, and then there's a drop again. I think probably PJ maybe is the next, or I'm sorry, to Kyle. East 10. Yeah, Kyle and then Kyle. PJ. Yeah, I mean, you know, so Kyle's up in that big three, and then you have Duncan, and then you have, you know, sort of your mid-level and, and lower. It's hard to make deals. And, and, you know, when we were doing the exploring the trade machine type stuff, it was hard to make the math work. And that's why, you know, really the the intuition of Andy Ellisberg with those team options, you know, Goran Dragic made the team option made this possible to go out and get uh, Kyle Lowry. The Andre Iguodala, had they opted into that, would have made it possible to get a similar type guy. And you can see the the thinking, I think, of the front office of being able to put together a team that's very well constructed, but also as we move forward, you know, Duncan might not finish out this contract. In three years, when Kyle's an expiring, he may get traded. Nothing is, you know, secure to the point that these guys are all going to finish out their salaries or all finish out their contracts. As it should be, though, if you're building a team, you have to maintain some flexibility while competing. It's so difficult. And this is, we'll get to Yurtsevin at some point too, but this is why I, I like him on a contract with us because we're, we can get a cost-controlled asset, which is going to be super important. Anytime we can get an asset at a cost control that works in favor of the, the franchise, it's a beautiful thing. Duncan's contract does that in spades. And PJ comes over. So yes, tell me what you think about that fit. I was going to say, let's talk PJ and Markeith at the same time, because I think that they're kind of tied together. When okay. you're looking at 48 minutes, I think those guys split those 48 minutes at the four. Potentially, you could see PJ playing a little bit of the three because that's a, a little bit of a question right now. What's going to go beyond behind uh, Jimmy at the three? Um, but I think PJ starts. Um, I think it's it could be flexible. I don't think it necessarily matters um, between PJ and Markeith. They're veterans. I think you know PJ makes more money, so that's why I'm kind of leaning his direction. Uh, even if he doesn't start, I think he plays the bigger chunk. So if you're looking at 48 minutes, I think he plays like. 26 and Marquis Markeef plays 22 or somewhere along it those depends. Lines. It depends on what they do in the fourth. And if they're doing that thing where they want maximum impact from their closer. So they rest them till about seven, eight minutes. But yeah, I think it's a good split. And you can, you can also think about if they are willing to explore more Deadman and Bam together, then Bam eats into those 48 minutes too. He won't play a lot of minutes at the four, I wouldn't think, but it's potentially something that he could go there. Um, and you know, that's good. Play those guys 20 to 24 minutes, 26 minutes in that range, maintain them. You're not playing them around 30. You know what you're getting out of PJ Tucker. He's not going to give you a lot of points. He's a good three point shooter from the corners. He's not good from above the break. Uh, he's going to give you good defense. He's going to hustle on rebounding. He's very physical. You know, I, I like his leadership. I like his toughness. He can defend multiple positions. And I think that's the one thing that has stood out to me throughout all these signings is versatility, especially on defense. And that's something that Eric Spolstra really loves about his rosters is having guys that he can move into a lot of different places. Uh, it makes it easier for him to coach. So what do you he, think with PJ and Markeith? It's, it's so important that we are keeping that floor space for four quarters. 
I, the two, when one comes off, the other comes on, we still have a corner shooter. So, and we have a versatile defender. The thing that really interests me the most is just having guys that can defend up. We got killed by Milwaukee, just absolutely destroyed. There's nothing we can do. And if they can defend up, that means Bam isn't out of position to get rebounds. Bam can use his size and length to rebound the basketball. So I love it. I, I would have preferred Rudy Gay uh, in there with PJ or in there with Markeith. I think I would have took Rudy Gay over PJ Tucker if I knew Markeith was there too. But the two of them together, man, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I was more of a tomb person if I had my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudy Gay would have been up there also. But you know, the one thing I'm I'm curious and what you think about is defensively. A lot of the times last year, one of the biggest complaints was switching. We switched a lot. And I think we switched a lot out of necessity. We had to switch because our guards couldn't keep people in front of them. They couldn't fight over screens and it put us into switching. Now we can switch out of choice, not necessity because our guards are going to be better. Kyle obviously is going to keep people in front of him. He's a great on-ball defender. Duncan is improving. He's not quite there yet, but you have other guys that can switch rather than we need to switch to save our asses. I think that's, it's not going to go away. I think people, some people are thinking like, oh, we have all these dogs now. We'll just play straight man to man. We're not. Oh, no, no, no. It's not no. going to change like that. You think that, PJ Tucker is staying in front of anybody? He, he's not like, that's where, you know, you talk about Trevor Ariza. He's better on the ball against guards than PJ is. Mm-hmm. PJ is going to try to be physical and beat you up. He's not quite Jay Crowder, but he's more Jay Crowder than he is Trevor Ariza, if that makes sense. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, being older means we have limitations. And switching covers up those limitations the same way switching covered up the bad guard defense last year. It's coming. I actually think that that's going to be what we do. I think we run a switch scheme, like primarily one through five. And I think you're going to see zone too because you have high IQ guys because you have a little bit of more length um, and and you got guys like Kyle, like PJ, like Markeith that can intelligently play a zone. And you saw this two years ago, and you didn't see it a lot last year, where they inverted it, where they put on the bottom of the two, three on the sides, you put the guards. Sometimes they would hide Tyler or Duncan down there. I don't have a problem putting, let's say it's Kyle, or let's say, I mean, Duncan, but PJ, those guys down there, even though they're not you know, typically in the back line of a zone, you try to get bigger. A lot of times we put the length in the front. We did a lot with DJJ. I think we could do that where we invert it. And Kyle is a plus rebounder for a guard. PJ is a plus rebounder for his side. Tyler. Tyler's a plus rebounder for his, you know, T-Rex arms. It's amazing that he does that. Credit to him. But, yeah, I mean, I think that some of the staples that you've seen over the last few years, you're going to continue to see. Eric's always done that. He's always found ways, found ways defensively to be innovative, fit his personnel, and make things happen that way. And defense is part of the heat culture. You're going to have a good defensive team. I would say we're somewhere in the top six, seven, eight teams in the NBA defensively. And if we're not, then we have a problem because we're probably not going to be a top six, seven, eight offense. We have to be good defensively in order to be a, a high quality team. I hope our fans don't like transition because I don't know how much transition basketball we're going to be playing. And the second unit gets a little lighter and quicker, and I could even see them going three guard sometimes in the second unit. But uh, we ain't playing fast, and let's know that right now. 
Uh, we have a little breaking news. Kawhi Leonard has re-signed with the Los Angeles Clippers as we record What's this. What's the number? doesn't have a term. It doesn't have a year. I would imagine it's a one-year, but apparently our uh, – I don't think Mickey wanted to pay the tax and give him the biannual. So I guess that's – I guess we just got to deal with that, you know? I, I bought so many carnival options, Sean. I bought so many. I wanted them to sign them. Disappointing. But maybe next summer, you know, we can, we can get back on Kawhi. Next summer or the year after that, right? We have a third max slot eventually. It's opening. I hear you. Let's talk about Victor Oladipo. He came back on the minimum. Um, it retains his bird rights. And, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that, why that's important to maybe next summer's plans with Victor if he should work out. Um, what do you think about that? Because I think, I think it's a high reward or potentially high reward with basically no risk at all. I love it personally. And I think that, um, Michael, a fellow five reasons host is going to be kind of pissed that I forgot Depot in that initial, who did we sign? He's immediately an upgrade to Gabe. So whatever Gabe is in the lineup, and I actually believe Gabe can contribute and play really meaningful basketball on this team. Hence the three guard second unit stuff, whatever Gabe gives you at the very least when he's healthy, he's upgrading Gabe in the lineup. So you're just making something better in your rotation on a minimum contract. It's almost like adding a piece at the deadline. I, I, Victor's great. He adds length. We're going to be able to run an extremely long 3-2 zone with him if, if, he, if he can get healthy this year. Um, he does get to the basket. He's a shooter. He spaces the floor. He has still some – he showed a lot of signs of athleticism last year. And if that muscle is what they said it was and he was still doing some of that stuff, man, there's a really good chance he recovers and maintains all that. And I, I just love him on the squad as far as like that defensive dog mindset, getting a guy like that in the building and keeping him here and maintaining his bird, which means we could sign him next year and not go into the cap or, or yeah, not go into using money in the salary cap. I mean, that's that's huge especially if we're talking about adding another big piece, right? A guy that doesn't affect our table, that's huge. Yeah, and you can sign and trade him. If you want him to go that route, you have his bird rights. You'd be able to sign and trade him if you wanted to go that way. If you didn't feel like you had the room or maybe he didn't want to come back or whatever, you know, there's a lot of variety of, of things that could go that direction. But I agree. I mean, there's no gamble in the fact that he may not be back. Let's say worst case scenario, it's March there's really no incentive to push him to come back early. We have no. enough guys, you know, that you can give Gabe that opportunity. I also, I think Gabe's going to get the opportunity. Let's say that Gabe doesn't work out. He struggles and um, you know, he, he's unplayable. You still have Jimmy, you have Kyle, you have Bam that can initiate offense and you have Tyler that you can go back to that experiment. And if you stagger the minutes correctly and you always have Jimmy or Kyle on the floor, you might not need, Tyler to initiate the offense. He can be the point guard per se, but he's not initiating the offense. And I think that's enough. I, I don't necessarily sometimes agree with the fact that when we're looking at like a, a roster that, okay, if Bam's backup is Deadman, Deadman always goes in for Bam and the power forward is PJ Markeith goes in for him. Sometimes it gets jumbled around, you know, the, the one through five or the center through point guard the designation, especially when you're talking about Eric, who runs kind of a positionless system, it's not always, you know, one for one and just sliding them back and forth. Sometimes he's only going to play nine guys. And so it might be Gabe that gets squeezed out or it might be whoever that gets squeezed out. So, you know, Victor, if he comes back and he's healthy, 
Now you're talking about a guy that, when healthy, scored 20 points a game last year. Coming off your bench with Tyler Hero, who should be somewhere between 15 and 20 a game. He gives you a long defender. It's it's a piece that, if it works out, it really elevates your ceiling. And it's it's no risk. If he doesn't work out, let's say he never comes back, his, his muscle never reattaches, and he can't play. You gave him $1.6 million against the cap. It sucks, but what were you going to sign to that part? You know, who else were you going to get for that money at his value? There is nobody. So uh, I think it's a no-brainer if you're Miami. He really fills out those unorthodox lineups that you're talking about. He, re- he really adds this element to the team going into a playoff run where we can just throw looks at good guys. You think the Nets don't know that we're going to run a switch scheme? You know what I mean? If we have to play Milwaukee, you think they don't know we're about to hit them with drop? The, the cool thing that Spo has always been able to do going into playoff runs is throwing looks at squads that they're not prepared to see in unorthodox ways. And Oladipo gives you the variety, the flexibility. I mean, we can go small ball with Depot. We can put him in and stay big and long. And he's a guy that just fills that out on the defensive side. That's what excites me about him. He doesn't have to come in and give us any points. He just needs to play really good defense and facilitate, which he did well uh, while also getting to the cup. And I say he did that again with a muscle that was falling off the bone. Falling off the bone. Victor Oladipo for minimum is a steal. And if you look at him, let's say in March when he's back, that gives us nine. Okay, our starting five plus Deadman plus, let's say, Markeith plus Oladipo plus Tyler. Of those nine, there's only two guys that you could even say is close to an average or below average defender, Tyler and Duncan. Yeah. Everyone else is a plus defender. And think about how many times last year we had to throw out lineups that had three or more sometimes, unfortunately, at least three bad defenders. How often are you going to have Tyler and Duncan on the floor? You probably don't ever have to if you don't want to based on when Victor Oladipo is back. It's going to be huge for our our lineups. I don't think you're going to get killed in those non-Jimmy minutes like you used to before. It's just a whole the whole parts all fit together that you're going to have a better team than last year, a more consistent team than last year. And if you're young, if you're longer and younger up front, you can really let Jimmy be that help defender and just fly. I I, I think that we're going to see him all over the court defensively. I don't think Jimmy needs to do as much as he needed to do to keep us relevant on offense last year. They're going to trust him to just make plays. And I think the dude's going to look like a free safety out there. I really do. Yeah, I love that. That's the word I was going to use to make a football analogy because you can throw PJ, you can throw Markeith maybe at the guy that you had to put Jimmy on before. And now when you move him off the ball, that's where him and Bam and Victor, when he gets healthy, Victor is one of the best in the league at playing passing lanes. You have those guys that can now be athletic, jump passing lanes, get you into transition. It's, it's a no brainer. It's a very good team on paper. And now we just have to make it off it together once we get to training camp so it's weird when you talk about one through nine you bring up dead men and that's like the guy i think that could possibly get squeezed out of an eight-man rotation if spo goes eight is dead men because you need the two forwards 
but it's undeniable what he contributed in the regular season and what we're going to need him for this year, which was rebounding the damn basketball. He was incredible as a defensive rebounder. So you got that guy back, Sean. Were you happy to see that signing? Yeah, I was happy to see him back. I, I don't have high expectations for him. Like I would have been okay if he left. We would have had to fill that role, you know, the the big off the bench. But he, he fits in our culture. He was happy to be here. He wanted to be here. Um, and I think, like you said, he could get squeezed out. It's going to be, to make an analogy to like Bobby Portis, um, different players, obviously, but there were times where Bobby got squeezed out of the lineup and didn't play a lot of minutes. There were other matchups in the playoffs where he played a lot of minutes. That could be Deadman once we get to that point because sometimes he's not going to be able to guard a team that plays small. But if you have a team that's big, like let's say we played the Sixers in the playoffs, you would need him to play minutes against Embiid. You wouldn't be able to put P.J. Tucker on Embiid or Markeith Morris on Embiid. It would be more advantageous to have Deadman in that type of situation. So it's it's very matchup-based. When you're talking regular season, it's a little bit different. But I agree. He, he could be the one that gets squeezed out. But at the end of the day, you know what you're going to get from him. He's going to play his ass off. He's going to get your rebounds. He's got pretty good touch inside. Um, and, and that's it. You know, it's it's a limited role, but I think it's he's a good person for that role. We were doing whole shows at the end of the last year, doing the calculus of who do we have to avoid to get into the playoffs and or what our route was. How do we avoid this team because we don't match up with them? It's all gone. It's it's all gone. We can play anybody anytime. You put us up against Atlanta, I got a small ball lineup for you. You put us up against Philly, we can go big and brawl with you. I mean, we're going to brawl with every team every day, every game, but we can go brawling and go heavier. It's it, this is one of the most exciting off seasons we've had. Um, I, I, I can't remember a time besides maybe LeBron's announcement, but I wasn't super comfortable with the team. Just LeBron coming here. This team is my identity. They're stacked. Yeah. I, I don't think we're necessarily in a, like, top tier with Brooklyn or Milwaukee or the Lakers, but we're in the next tier. Like there's a group of us that are maybe one move away or could potentially if things break, right, get into that top tier. That's that's I'm fine with that. You know, every year you can't win the championship, but I think we're going to have a team that's fun to watch. Again, like I said before, it's going to be consistent product and there's room for growth. That's we're looking at this now. I would say it's a three-year window. You have Kyle on a three-year window. I know that, you know, Bam and Jimmy have a little bit longer windows than that, but that window right now is where we're all in. Chips are in the middle of the table. You're doing whatever you can to win because once Kyle's gone, then it's kind of a reset button again. Who's going to, you know, slide into that point guard spot? Who's going to be your next guy to pair with an aging Jimmy? And obviously at that point, it's going to be Bam's prime. So um, uh, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting because of the pieces that we added and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Don't you feel like this is the kind of team though, playing a Brooklyn that will play up to their competition? Yeah, I think it, it could, you mentioned this earlier, we can run into trouble maybe in the regular season with them being disinterested, you know, and uh, load managing and things like that. But once we get to the playoffs, I think that's where, you know, th- these guys have been in big games, big series. They, you know, I said they've signed people that were on championship teams the last three years. So they're not going to be afraid of the moment. Um, I think Markeith, you know, is one that was hurt last year, kind of has something to prove. PJ feels a little disrespected. Milwaukee didn't want to bring him back. 
Um, you know, those guys and Kyle, you know, getting to play with one of his best friends and improving himself, you know, to be worth that contract. Duncan, same thing. I think is always going to have that chip on his shoulder about being undrafted and wanting to prove now that he's worth the money that he got. You have a lot of guys in that same boat of we want to prove, we want to show we're worth, you know, we're going to show as a team what we're worth. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to see where they're going to go with this. Yeah. I, we both understand the realities of what was in front of them this off season. And when the best free agent on the table is Kyle Lowry, there's only so much you can improve your team because that one guy, is not Kevin Durant, right? So you can only get so much better, but this was the best possible route they could have went. And they're going to give me my brand of basketball. This is what I like to see strong nose defensive team with a lot of versatility. It's, it's my, my kind of basketball. So I personally excited for this. Let's talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to throw it to you because I know we handed the bottom before the biggest splash, potentially the biggest signing, the man, the myth, to me. the legend. He's heading into Vegas right now, coming out of Sacramento. I heard he's driving a convertible Mustang at about 110 miles an hour <laughs> through the desert. He's blaring Turkish pop music. Omer, Tony. Tell me about Omer. What do you think? What have you seen? What do you want us to do? Why haven't we signed him yet? Tell me about the man, the myth, the legend. Omer, you're seven. This guy is freaking incredible. Okay. I, there's a lot of summer league talents that run through this team because they are, we're really good at prospecting young talent, but he's got something of an it factor when it comes to offensive uh, skill. Like he just has touch and feel for the game. You can't teach touch and feel, right? It's the one thing you can't coach into somebody. They either have it or, or they they don't. And this guy has whatever it is. He has it offensively. He's super raw. He is not playing this year. I want everyone to understand that he is not touching the floor, it, especially not in valuable minutes. He's not. So this is a guy that you have to understand is a little bit of a project. Um, but I want you to think about what the team biggest need will be in two to three years, right? Where, where we have giant holes to plug, we're going to have a big one at point guard and we're going to, we still kind of have a big one as a backup center for bam, right? Because PJ and Markeith aren't these huge six, 10, seven footers. Yurt offers everything that you want to by then that's, you said it yourself. This has to be bam's team. It has to be right. Your offers you the things that you need to unlock hit, hit Bam's game. He's a spacer. He can play drop defense. Uh, he needs to get way better at it, and he needs to get better at it quickly, but he'll get better in this system. Uh, he's an incredible offensive talent. He can shoot the ball. He can get to the cup. He can draw fouls. There's the question of whether you want to put him on a two-way or if you want to sign him, and I know you can add some context to this, but I'm going to interject just for a second. We have more breaking news. Uh-oh. Free agent signing Justice Winslow to Los Angeles Clippers. Oh my God. My I think my heart skipped a beat. I was so ready to yell. Okay, let's talk about better players now. Omer, go back to where you were talking about. I'm sorry to interrupt you about uh lesser talented guys like <sighs> Justin. 
Cause I, I like to say a couple things about him. So, so we can, we can sign Omer to a two way and he's on the team and that's great. Right. And we're not going to use him too much. And so that makes the most sense. He's not ready to play NBA defense. We put him out there in the NBA court. They're going to kill him. We can also sign him to a contract. And if we sign him to a contract, we, we give him a, basically a one plus one in, in all, when it comes down to it, we sign him for one year at a minimum. And then the second year you could extend the qualifying offer to him and make him a restricted free agent. That does two things. It lets you, it gives you all the negotiating power and it gives you a cost controlled asset for a team that's going to be up against a tax deadline and maybe in the repeaters tax. So avoiding the tax next year is way more important than it is this year. Omer, great guy, great talent would take him over KZ. If I can only have one project, love him. Yeah, I agree. And, and as you said, if you, because we signed him late last season, that counts as his first year. You have to get to three years in order to have his bird rights. So we're already checked off number one. This year will be number two. You make the third year unguaranteed or a team option, like you said. And then after that season, just like Kendrick Nunn, just like Duncan Robinson this year, you extend the qualifying offer. You got a restricted free agent. You can match whatever you want. And you get to make a decision at that point. Or, you know, even before that, the summer before, let's say this year, he just doesn't work out. Like we were misled. The the talent in Sacramento was misleading. He's really not that good. You have a team option and you you cut him loose. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I think that's the route to go. I think he's I don't want to say that he's outplayed because it's just two games. You know, it's it's don't get too caught up in two games from Sacramento in the summer league, but I would assume that there's other teams that want him now. And I'm assuming that there's going to be some teams that are offering him two ways. And so the way that you say, all right, we're, we're more believing in you than them is I give you a real contract and it's still not a big cost. It's like 1.6 million, you know, against the cap. So it's not that much. And you still would have that option the next year. But for him, if you're looking at it, why would you want to sign a two way, which is like half the money, and you're going back and forth between the Sioux Falls, you're limited in how many games you can appear in. It just doesn't make sense for him um, to do that, where you can get guaranteed money for the first year, potentially guaranteed money for the second year, and then the bird rights come in where you can get a lot of money. Uh, that's the route I would go if I were Pat Riley or Andy Ellisberg. And then you have your other two-way spots for, I would say, Marcus Garrett and whomever the next person is. Um, you could you could go that route with someone else too. Don't drop that Yurtsevin. Hey, don't drop that Yurtsevin. Look, that's I, I think that's the way to do it. I like, especially if he's good. If he's good, and and other teams are are willing to pay him some amount of money. Dear God, somebody's willing to pay him a buy. He plays himself to a biannual exception next year, um, or he just continues to kill summer league. You have a, a guy, a restricted agent with all the negotiating power, and you can make that choice. Man, I would sign him, but it's not my money. The one thing to keep in mind with our, our player development program being so strong is that we have Sioux Falls this year. You can send guys there, but when they're there, if they're not on a two-way or they're not under contract, they can be scooped up by anybody. So let's say we send um, you know, the Diki Drew. We don't sign Diki. him to a two-way. He's over there. He's playing great defense. He's showing a lot of promise. Any team at any time can go scoop him up. Even though he's on Sioux Falls roster, he doesn't like belong to the Miami Heat. If he's on a two-way, we can send him back and forth between the NBA and we control his rights. He's in the G League. It doesn't mean he can get scooped up anymore. And obviously, if he's under contract, 
you can send him to the G League just the same, but he can't get scooped up either. So it's like a it's like a protection, I guess, is what you would say. Yeah. So some of these guys that you know we can't we can't sign everyone from this damn summer league, even if they look good. We we have to send some of them off to the G League. Some of them are going to get two ways other places. It's it's not about getting all of them, but it's finding let's say two or three, and then hopefully keeping some of them in our system in Sioux Falls where you're training them for heat culture uh, to use a lack of a better word. And then maybe they develop into something down the road. Yeah. I like the idea of giving the two way spots to the guys who have the most potential upside, maybe not the best NBA players at the moment, but like Garrett and Stewart, those are the two guys I, I would probably extend two ways to if you sign your, the other part of this argument is, Hey man, we're in the middle of a, we're in the middle of a pandemic and bodies are super important and you need roster spots and you, you need big guys right now because the team is missing a few wings for depth. How often, if you get down to the 13th, 14th guy on, on a team, a two-way guy, I kind of feel like you're fucked anyway, right? Like why, why even worry about that? Try to get as much potential as you can. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you know, there's the argument today was, you know, Udonis using the 15th roster spot and, and, you know, I understand both sides of it. There's not really a right or wrong answer. I just feel as if you're giving the option to Udonis, if he wants to come back, then I'm allowing him to come back. If he doesn't want to come back, I'm okay with that. Also, we'll we'll put up a great video montage. We'll thank him. We'll do Udonis Haslam day across Miami. It'll be amazing, but he has to have that option, I feel like. And at some point, there has to be a difficult conversation where you say, you know what, Don, Udonis, you're 49 years old now. We can't <laughs> keep signing you to one-year contracts. Like, you don't even, like, you don't even know any of these guys. You're, you're you know, you're 20 years older than all of them. Spolster's not even the coach. Pat Riley is living in Malibu. Like, it, at some point, there's going to be that conversation. We, we all get that. We are hanging on to him because he's a great leader. He does a lot of stuff in practice. I think that's the one missing piece. That's the thing that's frustrated me so much today is people saying, oh, he does nothing for this team. He's just, he should just be a coach. He's doing is not necessarily coaching. He's also in practice, working out, doing things with the team, pushing guys. And I know that Anthony Carter does that. I know that Malik Allen does that also. Like they suit up and they play. But at the same time, like maybe he doesn't want to go that route. Like, maybe he doesn't want to go into coaching. Maybe he doesn't want to go into the front office. Keith Askins is like a scout. I don't see Udonis being a scout and traveling around the country. He's got a lot of business opportunities. So it's pushing him out to be a coach. If he wants to come back, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I understand it, but it doesn't make sense to me at all. It's not even something he wants to do. So what's the point of having it? He's said it multiple occasions. He doesn't want to do it. So there's no point even having the conversation. There's something about a guy who is going through the dog days with you like with you, that's your, your brother, you're suiting up with him. You're going into war with him. It's it's, there's no degree of separation at all. So when something comes from Udonis, it comes heavy and it's understood. It's a guy we've already ruled on his case in the Supreme court as fans. We have said we're comfortable with Udonis here. You can't just change the mile marker. Now you can't just move back the finish line. If you trusted him enough to make the decisions that were right for the team before, you have to trust him still. Now, if he wants to be here, that's my guy. That's my captain. He's here. Yeah, and I think five reasons, whether it was Greg or Ethan tweeted out, like everyone in the locker room wants him back. Like 
to say his voice isn't valuable at this point, his voice has a whole lot of value. Like there's very few people I would say above him in that front office, in that uh, coaching staff or on that roster that have a bigger voice than Udonis because he's been there longer than basically everybody. So the joke I, was, I the- could he, could he not have that voice from the lounge as a bartender? And and the answer is pro- probably he could probably shake up a really good Long Island and still matter to the team. But we know for fact right now, right now we know for fact where he is, he's contributing. Why would you not take the better percentage that that matters? And, and Udonis and Alonzo, I think, are the best comparisons of where they've slid. Because when Zoe was getting ready at the end of his career and, and leaning towards retirement, people were saying the same thing. Oh, he's going to become an assistant coach. Well, he didn't want to coach. And now he's an advisor. You know, he, he works with players. He's the guy that, you know, is at, at a phone call or a text message, you know, helping young guys learn how to be a pro. And he's at practices and he's at games. Could Udonis do that? That makes more sense to me than a coach. Because just because you can play basketball doesn't mean you can coach. Like, I know a lot of guys. They're not NBA guys, but I know a lot of guys that are really good basketball players. They are hoopers, per se. Hoopers. Cannot coach worth the damn. Just because you can play doesn't mean you can coach. So to say Udonis, oh, yeah, because he's on the sideline giving pointers, that's not necessarily coaching. Coaching is being able to draw up a baseline out-of-bounds play or being able to make an adjustment to what a defense is doing against you. That might not be Udonis's skill. Udonis's skill might be relating to them as a vet. It doesn't. He doesn't have to wear the warm up. I get that. I, I completely understand what a lot of people are saying. But if that's the role he wants to be, he's earned enough cachet in my mind in this in this program that you let him do that until he doesn't want to be there. But there could be that difficult conversation. Like I understand that part too. Like I know I'm saying both sides of it. Eventually, you have to cut him off. He can't keep doing this until he's 52. You're, you're doing that and you're saying that because everything about basketball is telling you Udonis can't be on this team. All the context you've developed about players and what their value is and what their roster spot means is telling you Udonis can't be on that team. But you have to take that, throw it all out. It means nothing. This, this situation has no context. There's no precedent ever for Udonis Haslam. He's a one of one. He's a super unique situation and he has to be treated that way. Yeah, I agree. And, and if you know what, if you could give me the answer of, okay, Udonis, you can't come back. We are going to sign fill in the blank. I want to know the answer to that before I can give you an answer if I want Udonis back. If you tell me, okay, it's, I mean, even Wes Matthews, that's a name that a lot of people have thrown out. Wes Matthews is coming to be the 15th guy. Like ultimately, is the, the guy that you're signing in Udonis' spot going to get minutes? You can only is, play so is, many is, is the guy that plays like a combined 30 minutes, right? Is that is that impact, that 30 minutes that he gives you actual maybe defensive versatility? Sure. Is that worth more than the galvanizing effort that Udonis does all season and the paces that he puts the players through in practice all season? Like I you can't do an impact measurement on that. So that's why it's like you can't assign a number to it because I don't I I don't know what the number of Udonis's value is. And I think it's a lot higher than $1.7 million. Yeah. And the other line of thinking is that you're signing a guy that has potential. Well, for every Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and Udonis Haslam that we've signed over the course of time, there's also 
many more examples of Okara White and Terrell Harris and <laughs> whomever else that didn't make it, you know? So it's, 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 I get the reasoning. And he very well could be right. You know, Udonis Haslam in 2002, 2003, was that 15th guy that I bet we, who, I don't know who it was, but in 2002, we let a vet go to keep Udonis Haslam in training camp. And people were probably like, why would you let blah, blah, blah go? But that team was terrible, so we probably didn't care. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I get that. It's the same reasoning that got him the opportunity. But at this point, he's earned it. He's been on the same franchise his entire career. He's given up money. He's won on championship teams. He's such a great defender, uh, a hustle player, a leader. I mean, it's all those things. And I know he can't do it necessarily anymore. But, damn, like, it just – it also gives me the vibes of, like, Mike Miller when they got rid of him for tax reasons and he lost yes. the locker room. So if guys in the locker room, let's say Jimmy and Bam, if you could ask them right now, do you want Udonis back? And you give them the truth serum, you know, not like publicly, they're not going to say no, but if you give them the truth serum and say, Hey, I want him back. Do you want him back? I feel like they would say yes. I just don't see that there's a guy out there that you're like, Oh, I, I really want us to sign JJ Redick instead of Udonis Haslam. Like, it, this doesn't add up to me. But it's my opinion. I mean, other people disagree, and I, I get their opinion too. It's valid. It's, there's no right or wrong. That's the one thing I would I would stress about today. This morning was wild. It took uh, it took Bielitsa making uh, damning comments about the Heat organization, and then thankfully his his now teammate Igudala made a comment about how he wants to bring sort of like the Navy uh, Navy SEALs regime of the Miami Heat to the Golden State Warriors. So he kind of brought us back to uh, some positives, but yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about belly. I know we're getting pretty close to an hour probably, but it, that was comical to me. No, I don't really mind. I, I don't want to talk about belly. You're out of here. You're gone. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you later. Um, I'm sure we'll cook you on defense after you eat a whole full course at Miami grill. So the, the only other thing I think that's worthy of touching on is some, some of the other two guys statements on the way out, right? Like none and Iggy statement. There's some value to that as a fan to just feel secure. And in, in that like, we're, we're going to find out, we're going to figure it out. We're going to find a way because those guys at the top of the organization, they're structurally sound. So everything runs through them. We're going to be okay. And so I think the big point that I want to make here is whatever they decide to do, regardless of what I want or what I yell loudly for on Twitter, Whatever those guys choose to do, I'm rocking with it. I'm rocking with it. And they've earned that. It's not just blind fandom where no matter what the Heat do, we're like, yeah. You know, like we're wrong. They're wrong sometimes. But like they've earned it over 25 plus years of Pat Riley's system that they're right a lot more than they're wrong. There's examples, you know, of Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside and you know, investments that didn't work, signings and trades that didn't work, but there's a hell of a lot more good signings, good trades, good acquisitions, good seasons than there are bad. And I think as a Heat fan, sometimes you forget how fortunate you are. You could be a Kings fan that in that same time period has basically haven't seen the playoffs in 20 something years. You know, I mean, just imagine that we got swept this year. That's something that the the, uh, the Kings haven't had happen in two decades. Three times. Three decades? We, well, no, oh, no. We, we've missed the playoffs <laughs> three times in like the last, what, 20 years, I think the number was. 
three times we've missed the playoffs. This team competes every year, every single year. And I like that for me, that's how I enjoy games, us playing to win. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's close with one question. I'm going to ask you a question here. What do you think, you know, we've talked about the Haslam thing. There's still one roster spot in addition to that. Where do you think we go with that? Maybe not necessarily like give me a player or players, but like what position do you think we need to address? Is it a post? Is it a wing? Is it a point guard? Where do you think we go with that? If we're just, at this point, we're talking about a body. They're adding a wing, I think, personally. I, I, I know there's probably better guard players available to us, um, but they're going to get the most impactful body that they can get. So they're probably going to get somebody with some length at a wing spot. And it feels like that guy's Wes Matthews feels like it, but we'll see how it plays out. Some of these dudes have bigger markets than I expected them to. So, I mean, we might be looking at like a TJ Leaf. I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be TJ Leaf, but I agree that I think it's probably going to be a wing, um, a small. If it is, just pretend for a second, TJ Leaf is on this team. Are we cutting ties with Pat at that point? Pat Wash? No, there's got to be something they saw in TJ Leaf. I don't know what the heck it could be. But, uh, <laughs> something, something that they saw. But I think a wing, a, a three or a bigger two, um, I think it's going to be somebody off the radar. It's not going to be like a West Matthews or these guys that we're kind of clamoring for. I think it's going to be somebody that they circle back to that was in their you know draft evaluation. I think it's going to be a younger guy, potentially, like a two, three, four-year veteran type guy. Um and we'll see again, whoever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to say, okay, I, I see the fit there. And, um, you know, it's ultimately, it's a, it's a lottery ticket. You're trying to find a guy that's a live body. Uh, you're trying to find a guy that hopefully has some potential and, um, it's probably like a one-year minimum contract. So see what happens. Today's episode is sponsored by culture. It's sponsored by dog grit and it's sponsored by, by your it's sponsored by your seven please sign him please it's a matter of days man he's just he's remember he's in the he's in the mustang going through the desert he's got no cell reception once he gets to vegas he's going to hit the roulette tables uh he'll probably pass through like spearmint rhino real quick and then he's going to meet with andy and sign a contract what's are the probability yeah, still going what's the probability that me and him are throwing craps together Ah, man, that would be all. I would I would see you're more of like a uh, a beer pong at O'Shea's type of guy, like over by the link. I can't oh, wait. You're, put, you're putting me so, on to something. I got all kinds of. I love I love Vegas. I, next year I want to go. This year I have already been there this summer and I've traveled too much and uh, I have to work on Monday. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're starting school here on a Wednesday. Is that odd? We have. Well, I have to work for basketball camp. I'm working Sixers camp again next week. I'm really hoping Andre Drummond comes. That's my goal next week. If Andre Drummond oh. comes to camp, it'll be awesome. I'm going to get him on the pod. But, uh, no, we start on a Monday. We start uh, – it's it's a couple weeks from now, but we have to come in as teachers and start working and planning and stuff like that. So it's kind of a sore subject right now. Well, on that note, folks, just remember, your heat signed Kyle Lowry – everything gets better. Appreciate you guys listening in. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Two for One Podcast. Episode 14, we out. Bye-bye.